Hello, and welcome to the Dietitian Boss Podcast. My name is Yah. I'm an RD2B, Dietitian Boss Podcast co-host, and Dietitian Boss Method Instructor. The Dietitian Boss Program empowers dietitians and nutritionists to create their private practice from scratch and emboldens already established practitioners to think bigger. The Dietitian Boss Method provides a step-by-step process to improve how you market yourself on social media so you can become far more profitable and create more impact by working with the clients you truly want to work with. Every week on my solo episode, I will dive deep when answering questions submitted by you all via our Instagram story poll and comment section of our Instagram account. So stay tuned. On today's panel episode, we have Fatima and Megan. Fatima is a registered dietitian providing virtual nutrition coaching services to people living with paralysis and spinal cord injury. By combining her professional expertise as a dietitian with her personal experience of being married to someone living with spinal cord injury, the coaching program has allowed people with paralysis to regain control of their weight and bowel issues so they can feel more confident and live longer and happier lives. And we have Megan. Megan is a New York City-based registered dietitian, two-time cookbook author, weight management and weight loss expert. She holds a master's degree in clinical nutrition from NYU. She most recently authored a bariatric cookbook designed for healthy and delicious post-surgical eating. She's the mother of two children and an avid public speaker and lifestyle wellness expert. Welcome to the panel episode, ladies. Thank you so much. Yeah, so Fatima also released an amazing cookbook recently, and I'm super excited for you guys to listen to this episode, a lot of dietitians are always looking for ways to increase their income. As much as we may think a cookbook is passive, I will tell you there's nothing passive about these ladies. They hustled marketing and promoting themselves to get to the point where they could sell products like this. So I would love for you guys to kick off the episode sharing how did you know you were ready to sell a cookbook or any book for that matter? So I actually have a background in publishing. That was my career prior to becoming a dietitian. So I always wanted to do a book, but I didn't really know what that would be. And then once I started my coaching program, people asked me, you know, oh, you should do a cookbook because I would post things on my stories about what we're eating. So how did I know I was ready is first people were asking And then also with COVID and with the holidays, I just kind of thought that at the end of the year, I would like to take a little time off from coaching, from doing discovery calls because my kids would be home for three weeks. So my cookbook was available at that time that I wasn't taking discovery calls. Awesome. And Megan, how about you? Sure. So I actually also from a professional standpoint had a goal of writing a cookbook, but I have absolutely no experience in publishing previously. I always loved to cook from a very young age. I loved to cook. I like did the pretend cooking when I was really little. And even, you know, I'm, I'm not a professionally trained cook outside of what we learned in our master's degree, but I always had a goal to write a cookbook. And similar to what Fatima was saying, people would ask me because I previously, before the Dietitian Boss Life, I had a blog and I was quite active on it. And a publisher actually came to me and asked me if I wanted to write a book. 
So it was from the blog and I give that full credit for how I got my first cookbook deal, but it sort of transpired from both my desire professionally and also just, you know, personally, I love to cook. That's incredible. Super awesome to hear that your paths to getting your first book out there. And I know that will inspire people to know if you currently have a blog, that's a great way to be seen. And then also if you're coaching clients, this could be another resource when you have downtime to make some extra money. And how did you guys determine what you were going to write about? So my first book, there was a lot of collaboration and I at the time was pregnant with my first child and I was a pescatarian. So I had a very plant forward diet and I thought it would be an interesting idea to write a vegetarian cookbook. And so I presented that in conjunction with the publisher. I mean, we really did work together to find the right tone of the book. But it was also just very timely because truthfully, it was the way I was eating at the time. I no longer am a pescatarian, but, uh, you know, at the time, that's kind of how I lived. So the first book I wrote was collaborative in terms of the topic. The second book I wrote was less so. It was more focused on, I mean, it was very focused on bariatric, post-bariatric, surgery. And it was a very simple cookbook. So five ingredients or less. And there was minimal collaboration on that, but just two very different experiences in cookbook publishing. Sorry. I feel like I'm like rambling. We love it. We love it. Ramble away. It's all about learning about you, girl. (laughs) Okay. But so because I've written two books, the roots just happened to be very different. Very cool. And how about you, Fatima? So my cookbook really just came from my coaching. It is a very, I don't want to say it's a super small niche, but it kind of is. So people living with paralysis, they have a lot of issues with their, with, with regulating their bathroom stuff. So a lot of them are constipated and Also, they want to lose weight, right? So I did a little bit of research and there was no cookbook geared towards people living with paralysis. So I literally was just, let's try it out because I simply did not have a choice. My kids are two years old and four years old. I cannot run my business the the way that I ran it in September, October when they were in school during winter break. So I decided to just basically take the things that I talk about in coaching, which is like a gut healthy diet, a carb conscious diet, um, you know, making sure you get your fiber, making sure you get your protein. And it's funny because I did brand it as the paralysis nutrition cookbook because that's my, you know, that's my audience, but it's not really, it's not like it couldn't be just like a healthy cookbook, but I actually, in the beginning, I do have like top, I think it's like top 10 tips, nutrition tips, because I thought, you know, people who can't afford to do my coaching program or who are not ready to do the coaching program, I wanted to use this kind of strategically that you get a bit of a 
look into what is she about? Like, what is this? And so the cookbook is a lot cheaper than group coaching. And it was interesting because I got a lot of past clients buying it, which was great. Uh, Obviously a lot of like people who I chat with and things like that on social media bought it. So I think they call it a tripwire in, in marketing. So it's like a small, low ticket item to get someone to buy in with you and then to see. So I really, you know, no one told me, Hey, you should uh, <laughs> do a cookbook with us. I went and did it myself and it was my choice. I, I did um, an ebook and I also did do a, a limited run of a paperback. And so, so yeah, so that's what I did in terms of my cookbook. Can I just add something to that? I think what you said is really good in terms of, and so true in terms of you wrote it for an audience, but it's really applicable to so many people. I always said that about my first cookbook. Like you can use this book, even if you're not a vegetarian, put a piece of chicken on, put a piece of salmon on, put a piece of whatever on, you know, sometimes people just are looking for inspiration and just having sort of you know, ideas is enough, even if they say, oh, I don't really like chicken fajitas, but I'm going to use that recipe and make something else. You know, it's like you can have a wider audience, even if like Fatima said, she wrote her book for a specific group. It's really applicable to so many. That's so true. And it's, it's really helpful to have a niche because of course, it's easy to attract people when you're talking about it but also it has that, that ability to be more malleable and spread to other places, which is incredible. And Fatima, what you noted towards the end of your review of what you decided to write about is a perfect segue for our next question, which is why did you opt to self-publish or go with a commercial agency and why? So (laughs) no one came to me with a book deal, but I, I honestly think that Now, having worked in publishing, I understand the benefits of having a publisher. They help you do everything. However, I was an editor for six years, so I know the process. And so I hired a former um, colleague of mine who is a designer, a book designer. And so we're both familiar with production. He does branding and doing a cookbook was very easy for him. And he's also a friend of mine. So he knows my aesthetic. He does my website and things like that. So it was easy, honestly, for us to to do this because we've done it before. It's funny because we were actually laughing, saying, did you ever think that you and I, now he no longer works in publishing, obviously neither do I, but we were making fun and saying, do you remember when it used to take 18 months and 50 people to put out a book? And it's hilarious because it was literally me at my computer analyzing recipes and Zooming with my friend who now, you know, is doing my book. And and we were just laughing because we used to work for this humongous international publisher and the overhead costs, you know, the, the things that they spend money on. To me now, it just seems so frivolous because I think in like September... I started really getting serious with like getting my recipes and analyzing them and everything. And I started, we started laying out the book and everything. And what I really liked about self-publishing was that I had complete control. 
So like Megan mentioned that she had some collaboration. And I think that that's great, especially if you don't know how to do a book, right? So my designer and I, we know every, like every component, like, hey, you have to have an index. Hey, you need to have a title page and a half title. And you need to know, you know, how big your spine width is so that you can design this. So I can understand the benefits of having a publisher. However, it really worked out for me because I was able to put this cookbook out in like five months. Now I had a lot of these recipes and I chose to do, you know, the ebook and the paperback. The paperback was a big challenge due to COVID and the, and the, you know, costs associated with it. However, people really liked the paperback because it's, it's gorgeous, you know, it's full color and, and it's just something nice to have, but the profit margins on a physical product are tiny, 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 tiny. So I make, I don't know, eight times, 10 times more money on each copy of the ebook than I do on the paperback, because we're talking about a book that's 200 plus pages full premium color. I did try standard color. It looked terrible. (laughs) And so all these, these things, you know, that go into it, it was just me, you know? So if there was a problem, I just had to deal with it. And if you have a publisher, you're kind of shielded from those things, which is nice, but they pay you what they want to pay you. I know a lot of dietitians work with uh, publishers who pay like a one-time fee. So it's a work for hire. You do not receive a royalty, like a percentage. So whether you sell one or you sell 1 million, you make the same standard amount. Whereas for me, yes, there were costs, right? I paid my designer a few thousand dollars. I paid for a few photo, you know, rights. And of course my own time. And at the end of the day though, I could sell this book for a few years, you know, and still, still make money off of it. So I didn't really have a choice, right? It was either do a book or don't, because I don't think, especially given the economy and the, and the, the way the book publishing world works, they don't really want to publish something that's so niche because they want to sell a lot of copies. So for me, funny, having worked in publishing, I ended up self-publishing. So interesting. What an insane amount of valuable information for those that are listening and that are interested in self-publishing, super helpful tips. And how about you, Megan? So I did not self-publish either of my books. And truthfully, like Fatima was saying, I wouldn't even know where to start. That is probably, while I would love to write another cookbook, and I, I'm sure I will write a third cookbook, at, you know, and probably a fourth and a fifth, I would not know how to do that myself. And I think there are... There are people with that knowledge, like Fatima, who are able to do it. And like, I am just not one of those gals. But you um, did too already. <laughs> You've done it twice. But I still don't, like you just went, honestly, when you said- I'll the, publish it for you. The spine, like the <laughs> size. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what the size. I'm like trying to think back to both of my books. Like, what does the spine even look like? <laughs> So, so neither of mine are self-published. One thing I will say though, I think a lot of people do think that if you write a, a book with a publisher, that it's like a big moneymaker, the way royalties work, unless you are famous, 
it is unlikely that you're going to really make, you know, or, or I guess you shouldn't say famous. I mean, well-known enough to sell thousands, tens of thousands of books. I mean, we're not talking like, you know, a thousand books on Amazon is like not going to make you royalties. So I think that's sort of something that a lot of people who, I mean, certainly maybe people who are listening to this podcast might think, and there is tremendous value in having a cookbook, whether or not you get royalties, you know, to your brand for being like a true expert, you know, there's so many things that really are in your favor once you have written a cookbook. And truthfully, I don't think it matters how you write that cookbook, right? If you self-publish it or if you work with a publishing company, you know, the end result is you still are a cookbook author. But yes, I went through different, but uh, two different commercial agencies. Oh, wow. Incredible journey. Great point about it building credibility. I also wanted to just to build on something that Megan said about the royalty. So what I think people don't realize is that when you get a book deal, they pay you in advance, right? So whether it's 5,000, 8,000, 10,000, you get say half of that. Once you sign the contract, you get the other half. Sometimes they split it in thirds, right? You get the other half upon publication of the book, right? After that, you have to sit and wait for your advance to earn back. So like Megan said, you have to sell. So if you, if they gave you a $10,000 advance, you have to sell as many books as it takes for the publisher to earn $10,000. That does not mean that your book was $29.99, you know, so uh, $10,000 divided by $29.99. It's based usually not on the invoice price, but on net sales. So if you're, if you've ever seen a book, (laughs) are they ever full, full price? Like, not really, you know, It, it feels like they're almost always on sale. So all of this stuff, is really important, I think, when you think about, do I want to do a cookbook? Because it is, it's good for your brand. I can, I don't, but I could call myself author of the Paralysis Nutrition Cookbook. Uh, Maybe I should start. But I am in agreement with that it's good for you. It's going to be good for your brand. But I will also say, it is a ton of work and you should know that your book is needed and wanted before you do it. And that's part of dietitian boss method, right? Is don't create something unless you know your audience wants it. So many people, dietitians create these courses, spend thousands of dollars and hours creating these things and nobody buys it. So I think, you know, in terms of goals, I don't know. I really didn't. I told Libby, actually, I'd like to sell 50 copies, you know, and that was, that was the short term goal. And I think it's, it's important to, when you do these things, you have to love it. You have to want to really do it because you may or may not, you know, make a good amount of money, whether you self-publish because there's costs still involved in that, right? Whether you self-publish or you go through a publisher, you may not, you know, you're not going to be a millionaire, you know, nobody becomes a millionaire selling cookbooks. You know, if you look out there at the best sellers. I mean, it's literally like the barefoot Contessa (laughs) and, you know, these icons and legends and they're on sale, you know? (laughs) So they're, they have to earn back their advance too. 
I think people are surprised because it does seem like it is a big deal if you write a cookbook. I mean, that that is a big deal. And you're right. I mean, it is a huge amount of work, whether or not you self-publish or, you know, go through a publisher. But I think people are often surprised to actually understand how it works because, and of course, like with anything, why would you know how something works if you've never dealt with it yourself? But especially with cookbook writing, I think people are often just surprised with, you know, people's experiences. Totally. And to Fatima's point and your point too, Megan, I think everyone thinks it's like the trendy thing to do. But if it's not making dollars, it's not making sense. So (laughs) you really have to build your brand. Like obviously these ladies have very strong community ties within their niche on top of having a very strong marketing program. Yes, I'm going to plug DB method. We all did DB method, but it's true. But that actually helps because you do need an audience. You need to know that your no like and trust factor turns into cash dollars in your pocket or in your Zelle account or your Venmo or however you're collecting payment. And I'm so happy that you guys are willing to have this candid conversation. So I do feel like a lot of new dietitians and dietitians to be and future food bloggers are really misguided in what comes first. They put the cart before the horse. Let me publish a book. Let me create a course on Teachable and not thinking, well, let me build myself as an authority and figure out how I can truly solve a problem for a specific audience and give them the outcome they desire. So such sound advice. And to that note, obviously they did do well, thank goodness, because they had a good strategy behind it. So I'd like you guys to sell. Did you pre-sell? And if yes, like what was your strategy? So for my first book, I did not pre-sell. We just had the book published on the publishing date. And that was, that was kind of it. I did talk about it and, you know, there was, there was sort of interest around it, but there was not like a big push to pre-sell the book. The second book, the bariatric cookbook, I did pre-sell and that was lots of Instagram posts and talking about it and storying about it. I did a giveaway. I really tried to engage my audience. Uh, Full disclosure, this was BL before Libby. So I, I didn't have, (laughs) I didn't have my, you know, women's bariatric nutrition. I see to market to, unfortunately, I would say, because I mean, these women are, you know, a perfect uh, fit for my book, but that's okay. You know, I, I can talk about it now, but it was tell you to talk about your book on you never do. So I know it's actually funny because I want to talk about my book because I wrote a book and it's perfect for my uh, bariatric cookbook. Interestingly, though, I don't want to take away from my offer and I don't want to take away from the benefit that I am offering people in a group program. And I, I hear what your Fatima is saying. And she's so right that like, you know, someone who can't afford the coaching program or, you know, maybe isn't interested in the coaching program for whatever reason might buy the book as an entree, no pun intended, but I should talk about it a little bit more, but especially when I was beginning dietitian boss, I wanted to 
follow the framework. So like, I didn't want to be talking about my book and talking about my offer and talking about this and talking about that. Perhaps now that, you know, I'm, you know, more seasoned with it, that is sound advice, but I didn't want to kind of like muddy the waters with my, with my offer. But actually, and I agree with you. And, and I strategically closed coaching around Thanksgiving. And then I pre-sold my book, Black Friday weekend. So Mm -hmm. I started to pre-sell it. And when I pre-sold it, I actually offered a bonus item. Um, I offered a 30 day meal plan with like a sample meal plan for anybody who bought the book over Black Friday through Cyber Monday. And it was fun because I would talk about it on stories and be like, oh, you know, I have 40, oh, I have 42, oh, you know, and, and so it was, it was fun, but you are right. You don't want to go back and forth and confuse your audience. So I'm actually trying a couple of things. So now that I, I sold the cookbook for about two months and then now coaching is open again. So like first or second week of January, I reopened the coaching program. And so my idea now is that I will talk about it, for example, on the weekend, you know, maybe I'll do just so Saturday and Sunday, I do, I post three times a day now. So like two of the posts will be about the cookbook and I do sell cookbooks on the weekend. And so it's interesting. I do not talk about the cookbook other than Saturday, Sunday. I feel like people cook more on the weekends. They're more in like a buying kind of mood. It's only 30 bucks, you know? It's something to have. But I I do think that in the future, if I go on vacation or anything like that, I can pre-plan my social media posts and the cookbook is just there. So it's nice to have some sort of evergreen offering and be able to one day take a break, <laughs> you know, from coaching, not, not anytime soon, but eventually. Awesome. Yeah. And you guys actually, we already dipped into the next question, which is how you guys leverage social media. And to kind of summarize a really important point, because I think a lot of times people just want to have like a million links in their bio or like a form with like, oh, here's my Amazon store and here's my book and here's my coaching program to Fatima and Megan's point. While that may be a great strategy, if you have like 200, 500,000 followers and people will click forever for you. If you want to really build a strong business, you need to keep people's attention on the thing that makes you the most money. So having like your Amazon store and your coaching service and your teachable course and where they can find you and watch a YouTube video is very distracting. You do want to hyper-focus on what's going to pay you and then work towards maybe being able to expand and do like Fatima strategy of strategically marketing something on certain days or based on a certain season in business. So I would love for you guys to talk about the money money. You know, people want to know, you know, people want to know. So how much money did you make Uh, for Megan? You can talk about your first and second launch and Fatima. You can talk about your first launch. So both of my books combined, I've made about $20,000 I will say the first book I wrote, I also took the pictures. So I did, I mean, I did a lot of work for both books. I don't mean to say like, if you don't take the pictures, then you don't do a lot of work because there's still a lot of work to do. But if you are taking pictures for your cookbook, there are things that matter. For example, I love taking pictures in the natural light, which means you have to make 
the recipes during the day, right? You can't like make a dish refrigerated. Well, you can, but it's probably not going to look good. So I was very organized and I had goals of how many recipes I had to make and photograph because I truthfully only had like, you know, certain hours of the day. And in New York City, just the way, I don't know if this is only in New York City thing, so forgive me if other- Are you gonna tell them about your art studio? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, no. I'm gonna tell them. I'm gonna tell them that the time of day really matters because shadows in New York City are so extreme because of the size of the buildings that it really does matter what time you're taking pictures. So that was just an added, I mean, I was compensated for the photos, but it was just, you know, another, you know, part of the, part of the book, but altogether, both books, about $20,000. Amazing. And Fatima? I kid, I just, Megan and I go way back and I remember she was pregnant. (laughs) She was taking these pictures and we would joke and say, oh, I'm in my studio. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because oh she God. had to have these beautiful backgrounds and she had to get it while the light was, you know, in a certain place. I am hopeless with that. And so I paid a lot of money, but it was worth it to purchase photo usage rights for, for these beautiful uh, pictures. So that's the, um, <laughs> that's the quick and dirty way to do it. And I will say, Next time I'm going to pick the pictures first because I did have some recipes that I had to modify at the end because I couldn't find the right photo. I'll never forget chicken and radishes. I couldn't find, I could not find this. Like I make this roasted chicken and it has like radishes and I could not find the photo. So it was really upsetting, but I had to change it to, uh, to roasted grapes, which is fine and also delicious, but delicious. I was going to say amazing. So good. <laughs> but I had to, you know, we all have our, I guess, kind of idea of what we want our book to look like. I next time, and there will be a next time I'll do it again. Whether I choose to do a paperback again or not, is a completely different story. But I, I think in the future, I will pick the pictures first. And in terms of money, so I, let's see. So the total, my book came out in December. It's now mid-February. So it's made about $6,000 because, and this was actually a good thing, was that the paperback went out of stock. So I sold like a hundred and almost like somewhere between like 145 and 150 of the paperback, but I make so little money off of that one because of the production costs. So now, you know, hindsight's 2020, if I had sold all of those copies digital, that would have been a few more thousand dollars, but it is what it is. You know, I made a lot more with the ebook. So the ebook is, $30 and you get the, now I add the free meal plan to it because I figured for $30 for a digital cookbook, the profit margin is just so high that, that it's worth it. I make like $29. They don't even take a dollar, you know, it's like less than a dollar and it's beautiful. You know, you like look at it on your iPad and, and it's really, really nice, 
but cookbooks are probably one of the very few types of books that I 100% want a paperback. <laughs> I want a real copy and I have cookbooks in my kitchen and, and that's what my audience wants too. So maybe, I mean, people DM me every week, multiple times a week saying, when is the paperback coming back? I told them December because I, I do think I'll bring it back for the holiday because I think I'll want to take a break again for a few weeks. But yeah, so far 6,000 and, and it's fun, you know, every time you do something like a live, you know, with somebody else or a story swap, or, you know, I'm attending a few like summit event type things as a vendor this year. And, and there's thousands of people attending. So when it comes to something like that, it's really good to have a low ticket item to offer because if someone just heard of you, they're probably, I don't know, I shouldn't say probably, they're less likely to invest 500 or, you know, $1,500 in your program, but for 30 bucks, they can get your, your book. And I also, and I've said this before on the podcast, I feel very strongly about like serving the paralysis community and many people, you know, it's not about they don't want to, or they're not willing or, or whatever. It's impossible for them to pay for the coaching program. So it's been awesome because people reach out to me and say, Hey, I've been following the recipes and, you know, I'm seeing these improvements and it's just, it's nice to put something out there that's good quality that is needed. Megan knows as well, like for bariatric, the diet's very different. So picking up any old weight loss cookbook is not going to serve her ideal client. And I probably less so for me, because I feel like my recipes are pretty just like, they're high fiber, they're high protein, but people don't know there's so much confusion around a proper diet for paralysis. So if somebody put one out just for you, why wouldn't you get it? You know, totally such a such a great point. I like that you were able to dive deep, deep and share with us how much you make. Because a lot of people think everything needs to be paperback thinking the margins are amazing. Super helpful. No, it's not. I mean, <laughs> honestly, so I won't bore you with the details, but we did not have a good experience with the with the quality of the paper that I chose and things like that. And so I chose Barnes and Noble Press uh, for self publishing. And when I saw the proof copy, I freaked out and told them like, this is not okay. This is not acceptable. I had 125 books pre-ordered and they did not look good. So they actually upgraded the paper and the print uh, quality, which if they didn't absorb that cost, I would have made mm. like $2 off oh. of the book. Yeah, literally $2. And the book is $35 retail. So I would have made $2 a book, but they, because I had 125 pre-orders, they were really nice and said, we will absorb the cost so that you're happy, but they're not going to do it again. <laughs> so if it comes out in, if it comes out in December, like I'm going to have to, first of all, I'm going to have to raise the price, you know, just so I can make a couple of bucks because with the paperback, I think I only made like $1,400 and I sold almost 150 of them. So do that math. So, wow. Yeah. So 150 of them, if I had sold those, you know, for the ebook, that would have been over 3000. So, 
but it's, it's also nice to have happy customers, right? But I also think you might be, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you might be a very, like you have a real eye for this where others might not, right? Like maybe you- With the quality? Yeah. Mm. Like I mean, honestly, the, like, it just doesn't look great. You know, it doesn't look like a book that costs $35. Oh. The paper was kind of ripped. Right. That's fair. But you also are coming to this like with more of like a real expert, you know, I than than most people are. But that's true. Thirty five dollars. Like I think my books on sale for Amazon for like thirteen. I think it's fifteen ninety nine on sale for thirteen fifty nine. Like always. Like I don't think it's ever full price. Exactly. Wow. That's what I was saying. Is that books? Uh, books are almost never full price. And when I went to Barnes and Noble to do a little research. I literally picked up these gorgeous cookbooks that were on sale for $8 and was like, wow, I, that's asking a lot of somebody to pay 35. So when it came and, you know, the colors just weren't nice and and the paper was kind of rippled. I was like, this is not it, honey. (laughs) So, so we'll see if it comes back or not. But I, I do just think that I was pleasantly surprised with how it came out and and I'm happy with the way it came out, you know, in the end, but it was definitely a journey. The paperback, the ebook was the easiest thing. (laughs) Great. I'm so glad to hear that. And to wrap up the episode, I would love for the listeners to get some advice from you ladies. So what's one piece of advice you have for someone who wants to publish a book? So I will say this again, make sure they want it. Make sure they want it because I, you know, Megan went through her process. I went through my process, very different, but it's a lot of work. And because I have a publishing background and the person I worked with really took over everything, technical design production, it wasn't that bad for me, but I can't imagine if I did all of this and, you know, invested so much time and energy and I only sold a couple. So make sure that your audience wants it and do your research. You know, um, if you're, for example, like a keto dietitian, go out there and look, because there are about 40 different keto cookbooks out there. So how are you going to stand out? I, you know, I'm the only, as of this point, cookbook out there for perhaps spinal cord injury. So, you know, I think that if you're going to do a book, make sure people want it and make sure that you're not, there's probably some good metaphor here, but like, make sure you're just not like one more on the shelf. Because for example, I did go to Barnes and Noble and I saw so many, you know, like vegetarian cookbooks. I saw so many uh, keto cookbooks. And so I think to stand out, you really got to figure out what's going to make you stand out and do your people want it. Awesome. And Megan, what about your piece of advice? So I think... I, I do agree with you, Tima. I do think though, also being a registered dietitian is an excellent credential to have when writing a cookbook because we are the food authorities, right? We are true health and wellness experts. So, you know, kind of, you know, mixing, you know, maybe your love of healthy food and your love of cooking and also your education is great. I think one piece of advice that's very helpful is, and I sort of alluded to this earlier, but trying to stay organized because 
I think sometimes when you look at your cookbook and it's like, I mean, however you do it, appetizers, you know, salads, entrees, whatever it is. If you kind of are feeling like maybe you love, you know, some sort of spice combination or like you love certain flavors and you kind of permeate that like through every single part of the book, it might kind of feel a bit repetitive. So really trying to look at the book like as a whole and saying, you know, asking yourself like, do these recipes make sense? Like, is this sort of a cohesive thought and, you know, how, um, how are these recipes, you know, potentially going to work together? I think is good because when you're writing it, you are like in it, in the recipe, not necessarily like in the book. So kind of looking at it, as just like Fatima said, like all the things you need, you know, you need an index, you need an introduction, like all of those things. Like when you, when, if you were flipping through your book, do you see the same cheese over and over? Do you see the same thing over and over? So just kind of staying organized and, and seeing the book as a whole, not just like the individual recipe that you're using or working on rather, I think is really helpful. Amazing. So many helpful nuggets throughout this entire episode. Before we sign off, I'd like you ladies to do two things. Let people know where they can find you and let people know who may be interested in working with you, what offer you have for them. Okay, so I'm Fatima at paralysis.nutrition. And my offer is obviously I have the cookbook, but I also have six week uh, group coaching program. And I also have a three month VIP coaching program. And I am Megan. I can be found at womens.bariatric.nutrition. Right now, I have a six-week coaching program. And I would love to have anyone in the program, but also my cookbooks are available on Amazon. (laughs) She threw it on at the end very fast. Awesome, ladies. If you are inspired by this episode, click subscribe so we can fill your library with encouragement each week. Every day, your potential clients are searching online for professionals like you with the hopes of finding the right person who can make a genuine impact on their well-being and life. Join my group coaching program and follow the Dietitian Boss Method. You will be surrounded by other amazing dietitian bosses from around the world who will be there to cheer you on, support you, give you feedback, and provide you a spark for new ideas, all while following the proven dietitian boss method. You will be able to share your successes and struggles with people who get it. Book a call with my team to learn how you can become your own boss. Mm-hmm.